But yeah, I feel my interest as a male in boobs has nothing to do with whatever they're trying to do with that jam. So I hope they're not trying to teach me anything. My interest in boobs are pretty limited. I mean, I kind of see the point, though, too, of like, you know, maybe there are like, you know, young women out there who are aspiring game developers and they might be, you know, maybe, you know, they might be affected to some degree or maybe not affected, but not motivated at the very least by, you know, you know, dead or alive beach volleyball. But then they can get into something like this and they can see like, oh, hey, like there are there is a place in the gaming world for me and my D cups. Yep, dead or alive beach mammogram. <laughs> uh, that would that would work Coming with Connect. <laughs> that would be better with Connect. Another episode of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And once again, I'm here with Joel Couture. Still don't care. He, he cares, guys. <laughs> I care so much. I can't. I can't admit it though, because then then they know how much the comments hurt me sometimes. You know what he he said? Because obviously Joel's voice is is not 100%. But you guys wouldn't really know this. This is only the second time you've heard him. Yeah, you might think I sounded weird last time. And this is just his normal voice. You sound like, 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 you know, Heisenberg Walter White right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. This this is like your Heisenberg voice. You watch Breaking Bad? I do not. Apparently I should so I can hear myself talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Heisenberg is like the meth dealer part of Walter White, who's normally a school teacher. Okay, yeah, I like where this is going, meth dealer. Yeah, keep talking. <laughs> yeah, so that you, yeah, you need to catch up on Breaking Bad, uh, which is on Netflix. You have Netflix in the Great White North? Yes, yes, they, they just brought it to us uh, with, uh, you know, a dog sled, but, you know. <laughs> uh, it's hard to get the, the signal into my igloo, but, you know, we, we try. We, it's the point is we try. That's all I can ask, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, um, but yeah, this is Mashcast number ninety-eight. So let's let's get into it. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing? I'm allowed to talk about it finally. Saints Row Four. I'm playing it all the time. It all it's done is taught me that I would be a terrible person if I had superpowers. If I ever like touch radioactive waste and it doesn't kill me instantly, everyone is screwed. Every living person on the planet is screwed because I'm just going to find out ways to fuck with you. That will become my life if Saints Row has taught me anything. So if if something happens, if there's like some type of explosion mm-hmm. and people come out with powers, find Joel first, kill Joel. Kill Joel fast, really fast, because <laughs> I'm probably somewhere killing your whole family. Not even on purpose either, not maliciously. So you can't really stay mad at me. It's just that if I learn to like 
fly and then stomp down on the ground, I'm going to do it constantly. You'll see me. I'll just be going up and down all the time. Hey, it's well. it's delightful. Like the the idea that of throwing in superpowers into like these open world sandbox games. I can't believe no one has really done it to this extent before with like a crime game where you can drive and do all your regular shit with guns. Like I know Prototype kind of did this to an extent because I I remember driving down the sidewalk in a tank just laughing my ass off. But just this this game does it so well. Just so delicious to just jump up in the sky wearing like the stupidest costume ever and then come down and start stomping people just because. It's just great. I, I well, that's the thing I, that really got me back into Saints Row Three. Like playing that Saints Row Four preview, which I was kind of like looking forward to. Yeah. But then when I played it, I'm like, oh my god, I need this game right now. Like <laughs> right now, I need to play this game. And then I immediately went back and I beat Saints Row Three because I had only played Saints Row Three up until I think I would say I had only played Saints Row Three for about two hours before that. And then as soon as I finished that, I was like, fuck it. I got to play it now all the time until I beat it. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Hibernate yeah. something like, because like that is the game that I, I'm waiting for, you know? Yeah. So oh. yeah, it, it looks, it's real good. Um, your character, like that picture, those pictures mm-hmm. you have of your character. Yeah. Unbelievable. Greatest superhero of all time. Overweight mm-hmm. white male. <laughs> Wearing yeah. Daisy Dukes and hair rollers. Yeah. Holding, Sex hold, appeal holding. driven to zero. <laughs> like as far back as it would go. Daisy Duke. I mean, like, it was a, 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 tank, a tank type? Or it was a wife beater, a pink wife beater. It, it was a tank was top, a, right? It was a torn pink tank top with something on it. Uh, we, had, we had a consensus around the house of what the worst possible thing I could wear was. So we were going through all the lists, just seeing... Uh, there was a little like pink frilly mini skirt, but I felt the Daisy Dukes were just that much more terrible, so we went with those. And, and I, I stand by that decision still. You know, I support that decision because watching your character, like I just imagine your character gliding through the air is one of the most fearful things a criminal criminal can see. Like it's worse than like seeing Batman. Yeah, it was like oh god, <laughs> you know, glide glide down Daisy Dukes again. Look at him, his ass cheeks are like half hanging out, flying across the cityscape. Like, this is my day now. <laughs> oh, man. So, but yeah, that game, that comes out next week. That mm-hmm. Next week marks the return of, like, you know, of, of gaming season. Like, pretty much, like, it's the mm-hmm. start of, of the season. Like, we got Saints Row, the, uh, Saints Row 4. You have uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist, which I hear is doing well. Oh, right on. And then uh, also the Bureau. So if we have three good games come out at one time, I'm like, all right, games industry. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good job, fellas. Yeah, you know. You have them stop talking about the Xbox for one week. Yeah. Which is uh, almost I, impossible. It, they make it so hard. Yeah. I, 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 I almost, <laughs> we almost went a week, and then, then they dropped the Connect, and I, had, I got to draw a J. Jonah Jameson picture, and that just brightened my day, really. <laughs> I think uh, they're getting better. They're still terrible, but they're getting better at being terrible? Well, Is that we'll, a thing? We'll discuss that in a little bit, yeah, <laughs> if that's even possible. <laughs> um, what's What else have you been playing? I've been playing uh, Dragon's Crown as well. Um, I am not as impressed with it as everyone else seems to be, and I'm not as mad at it for the TNA as everyone else seems to be. Okay. I'm mad at it because of 
things in the game that are bad that no one seems to be mentioning, which is weird. But the uh, review what? industry, like uh, nobody seems to be mentioning, but uh, uh, or at least not making a big deal of it. But uh, the online multiplayer is locked until you play a good seven dungeons. How like, long does that usually take? Like, um, it's uh, a lot of people are saying around six or seven hours. It took me about eight or nine because I was doing a lot of side questing. Jesus, that is not acceptable. Like, I don't play a lot of multiplayer online. But it's like for a brawler, if I have the option, I would rather have people on board. Like especially for that game, because some of the fights get pretty ridiculous, and it's nice to have backup, or at least somebody else to distract the monsters. But and well, they do deal with that. But still, this drives me nuts. Like, why do I have to unlock multiplayer? Why is that something I need to earn? I can't even wrap my brain around it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I have no good. I have no idea why they would do that. Yeah, it's, it, I, I think they want you to learn the game before you start playing with other people. But, like, if I don't want to do that, why the hell do I have to play your game for seven hours? Like, some people are not probably not going to buy it at all because of that. Mm, absolutely. But, uh, another issue that comes up with it is uh, the game solves that problem by giving you AI partners. Um, you can get th- about three of them coming in with you in any given stage. But what no one seems to be mentioning is that when you've got four big characters on screen and about five or six enemies all on screen at the same time and a boss, or even not not even with the boss, it gets really hard to tell where the hell your character is and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. They put a little colored ring around you and like they, co- they color your damage numbers this, that color. But it's really hard to see when you're in a big fight and you're almost always in a big fight against the enemy. So I find I can never tell where I am, ever. Mm. So I'm just pounding square, hoping for the best. Yeah, so you can't, like, do they have, like, combos and stuff in that game that you can do? Like, Yeah, yeah there's different moves you can unlock. Um, they don't seem to combo, almost, as, like, they're sort of, like, an individual move that you can do with, like, a, like a direction and a button hit. So it's not too bad, or at least not with the knight. The, the caster classes and others kind of work differently, but I've, I've only played a little bit with the sorceress. Just because I want to see ridiculous cans flying around over the massive fighting, uh, but they're, the combos are relatively simple. But I don't know where I am, so I don't know what I'm doing. So all I do is mash square in hopes that I'll find myself. And like, okay, now I'll try something fancy. Hmm. Yeah, I, if, the, if the if the screen is constantly crowded with so many people, um, yeah. that that can see being a really big problem in terms of uh, doing your combos and stuff like that. Yeah, so you just—I found it just sort of made me brainlessly mash buttons because I couldn't figure out where I was, and, and it kind of made the the fancier moves feel like a bit of a waste because of it. So I don't know. I just I like it less than other people seem to be liking it. Hmm. Okay, uh, how much is it? Like forty bucks? You said? I think last yeah, it's week? forty bucks. You can get it on uh, the PSN or your uh, Vita, but there's no uh, crossplay. Like if I bought, I had to, I bought it separately for the Vita, but if I bought it on the PS3, I'd have to, I'd still have to buy it separately for the Vita. There's no free download for the Vita, like they usually put with PSN games. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. up to the developer. So I, mean. I know it is, but like, I would much prefer like buying on the PS3 and having it on both, just to have the option. Well, everybody would, you know. Yeah. Everybody would, uh, you know, against the price one pretty much, but yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it's up to the developer. You know, Sony's not going to push that either way. Even though I guess even Sony would like 
for the developer to have to, to give it for both, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, bit of a drag, but I hear you. At least it's a decent Vita game. Or, you know, well, actually, I shouldn't say a decent Vita game, but more decent Vita games are popping up. Yeah, because yeah. they were they were pretty dead for a while, but a lot of good ones have sort of cropped up over the years, like Double Dragon Neon. I really like that one. Uh, Miramasa is pretty much the same sort of idea. I don't yeah. lack multiplayer at all, but I still found it just, they did a really great job of that one. So it's good to see that I can punch some faces around again. I missed that. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I missed that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Nick, what have you been playing? Well, actually, Joel, do you have anything else? Like, no, that's about all the things I've been obsessing over lately. Okay. Uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, nothing new. Um, mostly, I've just been playing Rogue Legacy. Uh, that review should hopefully be up later this week. But yeah, I was, uh, I was actually getting ready to talk like it's up, but I remember, oh, that's right, I'm just editing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so ho- hopefully that's close to getting put up. But uh, yeah, I've just been enjoying the hell out of that game. So it's pretty good. You talked about it a bit last week, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm still going into the castle, getting further, getting more upgrades. Um, still dying plenty. Uh, oh, but, yeah. I, but I'm enjoying it. That's good. I'd good. nothing else besides that. Well, just wow, but you yeah. know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you, you did get into some PvP recently, though. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I wrote about that in my latest wow thoughts. Um. Uh, how did it feel? <laughs> huh? Well, I mean, I'd gotten into PvP before, um, but this was basically just I, I was playing the wrong character and I was undergeared and I didn't have any real support. And so I knew it was a suicide mission, but I went and, you know, died several times anyway. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I lasted long enough. It was, uh, there, there was an alliance group trying to take out Bane in Thunder Bluff and, uh, I died a lot, but ultimately enough other people showed up that we actually repelled them. So I was a bit surprised by that. Because for a while, it looked like it was just going to be me and Bane and uh, and like a few like level 30 people who weren't going to do anything because they couldn't. Oh. Well, I mean, at least you tried. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, it's not fueling your fire to get better, to be a better protector? No. It's an all, and it's it's... I have to, it's my warlock, so like my skill, you know, I don't, I don't have the rotation down. Uh, I haven't been, you know, I haven't tried to like, you know, get any gear above whatever I had when I hit, hit 90. So it's, I mean, I'd have to put all the effort into doing that. I've been doing all that on my hunter. I should have, I should have just switched over to my hunter and, and defended the city. But it was, you know, at that point I was, I was just going to ro- roll with what I had. Okay. Well. I don't know, PvP was like the only thing that really keeps me playing MMOs. And now it just takes too much time to do it. You know, so I just play StarCraft instead. Sometimes. I've actually reduced the amount of time I've been playing that. To be honest with you. You know, I haven't, I haven't even tried to get into a higher league this season. I haven't even tried. I've been too busy, man. You sh- Nick is shaking his head at me. I, I, I can see <laughs> I can see him in the camera. You guys can't, but he's shaking his head in disapproval. I am disappointed. <laughs> oh, let's see. I haven't actually... I have not... No, I did play something new. I played Sanctum 2, which is not a new game. Uh, that game came out a couple months ago. 
I had four copies of it. Four. Don't know how I got them. <laughs> I had four copies of the game. I was like, where'd this come from? Were they still, were they giving out Steam cards with them? Uh, no. I got Steam cards from playing it, but, you know. But still, I have four copies of it, so I got me and a friend. Uh, we started playing it. It's, it's like, we were surprised at how much fun we were having with it. Like, uh, we didn't beat it, but we played for, we played for uh, about five hours straight. Five hours straight. And, like, it was awesome. We had a really good time. Um, I even bought the uh, the season pass. Cause that's how good that's how good of a time we had. Bought the season pass, which unlocks some additional weapons, uh, a new area. But basically, um, it's a it's a it's a it's a tower defense game. It's a uh, first person tower defense game, uh, and you can put your towers down in specific spots, or you know, in specific areas, like it's highlighted blue. But you can literally put them in any configuration you want to. Only thing you cannot do is you cannot completely block the path that the enemies have to come. Because the enemies will not break your towers. They will not knock them down. Only the bosses will. If there's a, if there's a boss, um, the boss can knock through your towers. But and regular enemies can't, so you cannot completely block the towers. So basically, we would use our towers to build these mazes and force them to walk through the maze and you know get shot up and stuff. And we thought we were the shit until they started flying. <laughs> then they can fly over the maze, you know. So it's a, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think I'll definitely. I don't even know if there's additional difficulties because I wasn't hosting the game. So there's a lot of stuff the host can see that you know other people cannot. So we'll see. But that, that's a good game. It's a good. It's a great co-op game. I'll recommend to anyone. Who who likes playing co-op like you know with your friends and stuff like that to so check that out with your buddies? Trust me, it's totally totally worth it. Uh, other than that, I was gonna gonna finish my review for uh, for uh, Humans Must Answer, but the last stage I played before I was gonna do my review introduced a new weapon that totally changes the game. It's this thing called the support tool. And basically, it shoots out this electronic orb, and if you, if the orb just hits something, it disables its shield, which is great. However, if you shoot the orb with a beam weapon, it turns into a bolt of, of lightning. And then, if you shoot it with, like, let's say your, uh, if you shoot it with, like, let's say your machine gun, it turns into an arrow and spreads the its beam energy outwards, going up and down. Which means now, in a side-scrolling shooter, you can now shoot things on the ground and on the ceiling. Which totally changes that dynamic, and now because you can do that, now they start putting rockets and lasers and shit on the ground where you normally cannot hit it. And not only do you have to, like, you know, hit those, hit those things now, but it's not, it's not like, um, you know, the, the, the beam, the, 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 uh, the shots have, have travel time. So you have to time perfectly when to shoot the orb and you know when to shoot out the orb and when to actually shoot the orb so that it transforms in enough time and the beams go in the right direction to hit the right stuff. Totally transformed the game. The game was already like great and now like it's good and it's it's still a great game, but man is it so hard now. It's the difficulty just shot up exponentially because you have so many different types of weapons. You have the support weapon to deal with. 
you have your special uh you have like your your uh your physical weapon to deal with you have your energy weapon to deal with and you have like your special attack or shield but like your special to deal with all at the same time so it it it, it was a huge game changer for me each level is no longer than three minutes long like and that's a long one it's like they're no longer three they're more no more than three minutes long but the fact that they're difficult because it, you can get to the right to the very end and die. You have to start all the way from the beginning of the level. Um, now, I'm playing the game on hard, so I don't know if that changes on easy. But I believe like hard is the way it's made to be played. Because it's not so hard that you can't do it. You actually have to like try put an effort up. But um, And I think there's a difficulty after hard. But I can only imagine that easy would just be too easy and the game wouldn't be as enjoyable. So... It's it's good, trust me. I I give it a thumbs up, two thumbs up, <laughs> actually. So I'll have the review out sometime soon, hopefully, unless they throw another game changer in there. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just it takes me a long time to play that game because it's just difficult, man. It is, it is a difficult game, but it's an awesome game to play. All right, let's let's get into our topic, shall we? Let us talk. Well, here we need to name the Xbox segment of our show. Because basically, <laughs> every week since the Xbox One has been released, we we talk about it in some way, shape, or form. And it's not our fault. We're not obsessed with it. They just keep doing shit. <laughs> Is that our fault? No. No, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. So they keep doing shit. Uh, this week in Xbox One reversals, uh, we find out that the Xbox One no longer requires the Kinect to operate. And it's fun. It's funny because the way they, they they came out with the news, like they didn't make an announcement. Basically, they were in an interview, and they just kind of spit it out that it'll still function fine. The Connect will still function fine if you don't have oh not the Connect, but the Xbox One will still function one hundred percent fine. Not one hundred percent fine. Sorry, but it'll still function if you don't have the Connect plugin, which was definitely not the case before because they were told they told us that if you did not have the Connect, you know, connected, the Xbox One wouldn't work. You know, so now that's another policy reversal that they that they, you know, are, are just this doled out. The last piece, the last thing they need to do is unbundle the connect, which at this rate, I am expecting they're going to announce at Gamescom. I think they're going to announce it at Gamescom. So Would at that point. Me. Hmm. At that point, will you buy a Connect or not a Connect? Uh, will you buy an Xbox One because now you no longer the, the whole argument of I don't have room for a Connect in my my super tight apartment no longer applies to you. You can have the Xbox One and have room for all your other stuff. I will still have reservations, so I'm not going to say that I'm definitely going to buy one now. Because here's my reservation about it. My reservation is not, okay. Fine, they pretty much they got rid of pretty much all the stuff that we complained about. The, the stuff that, you know, made them seem anti, made them anti-gamer. However, the stigma stays that they still did it. You know what I'm saying? They still did it. Who knows what's going to happen a little bit farther down the road. Now that you have the Xbox One, you have one in your home, now they may decide to start putting draconian policies in place. You know? I mean, think about it. Look, look at what they did with the dashboard. They took the, the Xbox 360 dashboard from a very gamer-focused, gamer-friendly dashboard and turned into an advertising platform. You know, nothing we could do about it. It actually reduced 
dramatically the the amount of Xbox 360 that I played because I couldn't get to it what I want fast enough. But the fact that they, you know, it's a well-known fact that Microsoft wants to push more into entertainment versus, you know, actually caring about what gamers want. Okay. Uh, and it, that's not a path they're, they're going to step off of. I'm like, okay, you know, we need to focus on the gamer now. Uh, we learn from our ways. No, that's not the case. They're not, they're definitely not going to do that. They're just right now, they, they just need enough people to buy the Xbox one to give them some leverage. Say, Hey, we have this many million people who have Xbox ones. And then their entertainment push will start in. Cause that's how they got Netflix. That's, that's how the Xbox 360 became such a entertainment platform the way it is right now. They got everything first. PS3 still does not have HBO Go. It doesn't have nearly as much stuff as the, the 360 does in terms of uh, entertainment options. And the Xbox is able to do that because of their subscriber base. You know, X- Xbox actually just basically stole uh, the Sunday ticket from the PS3. Because uh, that used to that was available on the PS3, and now that's not next season. Uh, and you know uh, what? The NFL and Microsoft just entered into like a five-year agreement, which is probably part of the reason for that. Oh, so, really? So the Sunday ticket—I didn't know the Sunday ticket was like not going to PS3. Well, yeah, yeah. It was uh, the last two years it was available on the PS3, and this year it won't be. I knew it was a, the last two years it was available on PS3, but I did not know that it was no longer going to be available. Yeah, that—that well, that, that just happened. Uh, I think yesterday, as I saw the wow. announcement. Wow. That could have been a headline on the site. That was pretty big news. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wow, yeah, I did not know that. That's that really sucks. But yeah, that, that they that's the leverage they have because of Xbox Live. You know, um, and basically with the Xbox One, in order for them to continue to have leverage like that, they need subscribers. So for now, I think they're gonna do what the gamers what what they know gamers want. And then later on down the road, like they showed with the Xbox 360, they're going to stop caring. They are really going to stop caring about, you know, gamers for the most part. Just like they, they it felt like they did when they announced the uh, the Xbox One. And in terms of the policies of the Xbox One, the, X, the policies of the Xbox, Xbox One weren't necessarily anti-gamer. They were... The policies that you see on the Xbox One are the future of console gaming. To an extent, not not you know 100, percent but it, that is like something you will see in the future, and it'll be good in the future, but not now because of the way that our internet infrastructure is and the fact that people just aren't ready. That was Microsoft's problem. Microsoft's problem was that they introduced these features way too early, and you have to ease people into these features. That's why it was anti-gamer, not necessarily the features, but the way they the way they did it. You know. They pretty much stuffed it in the box and said, hey, fuck you, you're going to take it. Because even their um, their uh, their first conference, their first conference did not focus on gaming, really, it didn't feel like. It focused on the hardware and entertainment. Whereas they really needed to show the gamers, like especially because of everything that's been happening with the 360, they needed to show the gamers, hey, we're here for you. you know, and they didn't show that. That's the problem that they had. You know, if if they would have rolled out these features incrementally over time, trust me, people would not have that big of a problem. If they if they had disc based games, like you know, like well they like the way they have now. Let's say your games are on the disc and let's say next year they're like, Look, when you get a disc from now on, you can just install it to the hard drive, you can throw that disc away because now that disc is registered with your Xbox three six with your Xbox One 
and it's digital now. You can pull it down at any time. Oh, by the way, you can trade in digital games. You give these, you know, you increment that. You you basically you uh you increment this stuff. You don't have to give it all at one time. And that they would have crushed if Sony wouldn't have caught whiff of that. You know what I'm saying? They could have really crushed Sony with those features. Like you can trade in digital games. Two years from, like you know, a year or two from now, they would have crushed something like that. Unless, unless, of course, Sony—that is part of Sony's plan—to let you do stuff like that in the future, and it's, it was just going to be a feature for later on. You know. Well, yeah. The problem is that they've never made digital seem appealing. They've always made it seem like digital is going to happen, so just choke on it, deal with it. This is where we're going. Instead of sort of giving me a reason to want digital, like one of the things that really bothered me about it was that. None of my downloaded games on my 360 were going to transfer over to the Xbox One. And part of what I worried about when this started to become big on consoles was whether my digital content was going to be carried forward. Because uh, I play a lot of old games. Old games are very important to me. So the fact that I can't access my backlog and my backlog will disappear really bothered me. So not only do I not trust them with my digital content, they're not really doing anything to sort of make me feel like, like it's an appealing alternative. Like with my discs, I know they can't fuck with them. But with everything else, like, oh, we're going to a new console generation. Sorry, everything you bought doesn't work anymore. Hope your Xbox doesn't break, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is a huge deal. Because they could, just because Steam works on PC, that doesn't automatically transfer over to the Xbox, to, to the consoles, because exactly what you said. You know, if my PC was to was to die tonight, you know, I can build a new PC you know, uh, a couple weeks from now and be perfectly fine. You know, I don't need the parts from this PC to build a new P to build a new PC. But with a console, like, you know, when the 360 gets old enough and your 360, you know, takes a shit, you know, that's it. You know, they're not, unless you, you know, you hunt one down on eBay or do some serious, like, you know, you, you know, find one at like, you know, a GameStop or something like that, which is possible. You know, then you're, you're, you're you're shit out of luck, and then on top of that, your games still have to be available for download. You know, you have to hope that Microsoft has not shut down the servers that have the content you have. Yeah, because there's a couple of my games that if they get deleted, like if somebody wipes my hard drive or something stupid happens, I, I can't access them again. They don't exist. Yeah, especially because you, it's not like Steam where you have a list of games you own. You know, you actually, have, and this is this is the problem I have with PSN as well. You have to go into the store and find that game. Oh my god! Yeah, I you just downloaded. downloaded I just downloaded Pinball Arcade with every table, and if I every any time I need that, I have to download it piece by piece by friggin' piece. It yeah, drives me nuts. That's a huge pain in the ass. That is a big reason why con like you know distribution on console really hasn't taken off, and I mean, the, Sony is definitely pushing more toward digital distribution. Um, they do. I think they're doing a better job than Microsoft because you know, with, with almost every game that Sony offers, both physically and you know through digital distribution, um, they have you know at least a little discount, at least a little one. Yeah, for, just for anything. Like, like, well, I'll save five bucks. Yeah. It's like I mean, GameStop tries to use that logic all the time, and it must work at least a little bit. Yeah. Like they, 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 you save at least a little bit, so you can see the the uh, you can see you can see the, the value of it. 
Um, but you know, basically, they they need to use those discounts to get people comfortable with digital distribution, and then they can start to see more benefits. Like, for example, Saints Row comes out on Tuesday, right? Most people are going to be waiting in line, not only in line, but you know, they're either gonna get up and go to a midnight release if it's available, or they're going to have to wait until Tuesday during the day to play it. I have to stay up to twelve oh one on Monday night, and it's playable. You know, I the preload. You know, I hope I don't eat crow for this, uh, but the preload is probably going to happen over the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, the preload is going to happen over the weekend. Yeah, it's usually how they do it. So, yeah, typically to make sure I get the game as soon as possible, I shut Steam off at around eleven fifty eight, turn it back on at twelve oh one, it updates whatever the fuck it needs to. Bam, I'm playing the damn game. You know, has been working out for me, but um, yeah, but like the consoles have a long way to go to in terms of getting people to want digital distribution, and Microsoft hasn't even started down that path. That's the problem. Yeah, they didn't even start down the path. They just said, "Here you go. Here's a new console with a bunch of features. Sure, you don't really understand it all that well. You don't get the benefits of it because you've never seen it before. But fuck it, you'll eat it up because it's an Xbox. What we really want to talk about." It's TV. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that's basically what they did. I mean, and they're still doing it. Like, there's an article on Destructoid, which is actually about an interview from OXM uh, talking about the uh, Quantum Break. And uh, one of the Microsoft Studio heads, he, they were asking him a question about Quantum Break, saying, hey, how are people interacting in the game going to affect the TV show? Uh, and he says, yeah, I know what you mean, because TV is pretty much one way. You know, ignore the game for a second. Let me finish talking about television. It wasn't quite like that because they were asking specifically about how the uh, the Quantum Break game is going to sort of be interactive along with alongside the TV show. And he was sort of trying. To, it sounded, at least my impression was, he was trying to explain that. And he was like, but "Before I can explain this." specific instance of what I'm talking about. Let me kind of just in broader talk about how TV will be interactive in the future. But he never explained. He never explained what it will, like what it will be. He didn't give specifics, but he kind of alluded to some basic premise where it's, it seems that there would be some sort of fan input in the direction that the TV show ch- takes that would then also be reflected in the game and vice versa. So if, if I, get, I, I get the impression that if a lot of people let, you know, like let a certain character live in the game, then that character will be show up in the TV show. And then if something happens in the TV show, then it'll get reflected back into the game. Now I'm not doing a very good job explaining it, but that's a reflection of the fact that he didn't do a very good job of explaining it. Also, quantum break, quantum break is a, is is a not a, it's it's not an MMO, it's just supposed to be a game to my knowledge, like a like a like a like an experience. Yes. Start to finish. So, a TV show or something that's shown weekly, like you expect me to go back week for week and keep playing this game, and as things change, well, or or are they going to release episode? Let it be episodic. It would have to be episodic, I guess, in that case, wouldn't it? Because, yeah, because, I mean, you can't have events affect the TV show if you're able to play through the entire game up front. I mean, if you can blow through the game in 10 hours and then something happens in, in, you know, in the third week of the show, but you've already beaten it, then you're not going to get any kind of experience out of that. So, yeah, it would have to be episodic by, that, by the way they're working it. Yeah, like, last thing, it kind of, like I say, it doesn't really, it feels like it doesn't make too much, uh, too much sense right now. 
You know, like, for example, they're, they're doing what he described in Defiance. Things that happen in the game affect the television show, but it's more, it's more so things that in the television show affect the game. Like, I know the biggest thing about that's happening in Defiance in the second season is that certain people who made characters in season one, like, if, if your character was influential or was a, you know, was a powerful character that you made, it will be in the show in season two. You know? But, I mean, people aren't craving... Like, this is another misstep from Microsoft, or even, I, I, I can say Remedy. I, I wonder who's really pushing this envelope. But people aren't really craving interactivity with television. I interact with the television all the time. It's called playing video games. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little it's, bit. There's a new hip thing with the kids these days. <laughs> with the rap musics. Yeah, with the, yeah, the, the hippity-hoppity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would argue that there there is actually, we've seen a level of interactivity with TV um, rise in the last decade that we haven't seen before, but it's not in the way that we're expecting. And I think, I almost feel like the example that uh, Spencer was looking for that he didn't quite stumble upon is where you've got, you know, the, these officially sponsored forums for TV shows where the, you know, the ultra fans, you know, they go on there and they comment after the show and they talk about it. And oftentimes, you know, that's sort of taking a sort of a focus group and, and, you know, television producers can kind of see like, oh, hey, is this plot working or, you know, which characters are people responding to? And especially as they're writing the season as it goes on, they can see stuff that worked early on or stuff that didn't work early on can subsequently be, be you know, adjusted on the fly. Um, the best example I can think of that is with Lost in season three, they introduced the characters of Nikki and Paolo and they were eviscerated on the forums and uh, Lindelof and Cuse, the producers said, we saw that people didn't like them and we had a specific vision for them but they they scaled it back and got rid of them almost as soon as they could because they knew there was such a backlash against those characters so there is a level of fans having an influence on tv and i think what they're trying to do is sort of focus that more and and actually make it more of a defined process rather than letting it be something that's just so amorphous as you know leaving it to the showrunners to sort sort of gauge general interest in what's happening and, and and there there is you know there there is I think some value in that because if people know if if people know that they can directly affect the outcome then I think that you know that does give them a little more buy in I don't know if this necessarily if gamers are the target market in this case because as you said like we're used to playing the interactive media we're used to situations where we 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 almost are the outcome it's not that we have a direct influence but we we produce the outcome uh, whereas in TV it's a little more it's a little more more subversive a little more influential. Uh, in 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 trying to actually get you know get from point A to point B, we really don't have that much control over it. And so, anytime we can kind of sort of nudge, you know, nudge the the, the creators along, then that makes a difference. Um, but that's I I get the feeling that's kind of where he was going with that. Um, but a lot of that is my own kind of conjecture based on what he said. Not a, I'm reading a lot into this. There really wasn't much there as far as what he was saying in that department. Yeah, because like while you were doing that, I was looking up Nikki and Pablo from Lost. I was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> but then I remember I was like, "Yeah, I hated those guys." Yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the ones that got that got bit by the spider because yeah, don't don't, and, don't ruin it for anybody who hasn't heard it to get it. Ah, they should have watched it already. <laughs> That's probably uh, I'm joking, but uh, yeah, they yeah, I'm not gonna tell you what happens because I want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't watched Lost, even though you should have watched Lost already. Come on, yeah, get it together, yeah. folks. But yeah. anyway, um. Yeah, but I mean that's that's, I guess that is a good example. The Nikki and Paolo thing 
in terms of, uh, well, for those who didn't like him. You know, there's probably some people who actually liked them. There were probably quite a few people who liked them. So, but for me, it was a great decision. It was a great, <laughs> it was a great decision from the dude. That I really hated those guys. But um, that that's just one example. Like, how, I don't think that's gonna work on a larger scale. Like when I watch a television show, I want to see creative direction, and I don't want that to be deterred. You know, by uh, you know what regular people think, because you know what regular people suck. If they were good enough, they'd be writing their own shows. So why should they be? Why should they be interacting with this creative work? Like for example, with Breaking Bad, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. Okay, so for anybody who's watching Breaking Bad, well, not right now, but let's say the first eight episodes of the fifth season, or let's say the fifth season, if you want to call this the sixth season, but it's not really the sixth season. This is just the last half of the fifth season to be perfectly correct with everybody else. Okay, perfectly now we're on the exactly same page. correct. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So let's say you watch the first eight episodes of the fifth season, and you know, a lot of people did not like the person that Walt was becoming. Okay? They did not like the person that Walt was becoming um, and how he reacted to people and the things that he did. There was a quite, you know, there was quite some backlash about it because it was different from other seasons. You know, in other seasons, he was kind of, he was doing something wrong, but he was still likable. But now he's, you know, he's not being that person. He's being somebody else. And there was a lot of back, not backlash because of it, but a lot of people didn't like who he was becoming. So if people had actually actual direct interaction with that, what would have become of that? Because I didn't like the person who was becoming, but the show was excellent because of that. But Well, I, th- I think Breaking Bad's a special case because my understanding, and I say this is someone who's followed the show but not actually watched it, is that he's becoming somebody unlikable is kind of the point. And so I think Vince Gilligan's kind of, uh, he, the the story that he's trying to tell, he knows the story that he's trying to tell, and I don't think that he's going to be influenced by popular opinion. And so, so, so the I, people who wrote Lost that know the story they were trying to tell, not entirely. <laughs> okay, that's a bad example because there there are some twists and turns there. Or let's say, let's look at another show like um, you know, like let's say Fringe. I was a huge Fringe uh, f- uh, fan. I, it's not that I, I liked the last season. I think the last season was good, but the last season could have been better. And I had some ideas, I, well, yeah, I definitely had some ideas about that, JJ called me. But, um, <laughs> they could definitely could have been better if they would have taken some of the things from the previous seasons. It was, this season was definitely a wrap-up season. You could definitely tell that. But, you know, they, the show still ended well, but, like, what if they would have taken my input and put it into the show would have really have made it that much better? Probably think- not, because with my input, the show would have had a bad, like, you know, the, the show had no choice but to end, you know, that season. And it would have been a bad ending with my ending, you know, or how I would have played things out. I, I, think, I think part of the problem, though, is we're looking at very, very narrative-driven stories and so, okay. I, I think and I, and I don't I mean I don't I don't know what kind of TV show they're looking to make with with Quantum Break it's Remedy and, they mm-hmm. made Max Payne yeah. it's Remedy but <laughs> they I, but, take a, they took a game that glorifies blowing people away and made it a a, a, a narrative masterpiece it's Remedy they, yeah. Alan Wake a bo- a game about books and creativity. Wasn't wasn't it was it Spencer who said from thirty thousand feet it looks like a game about cop killing? 
Yeah, from thirty. Yeah, especially into that from thirty thousand feet. It looks like a game about cop killing, which it but, does. If you just if you come in on a part where I'm in the police station and fighting police, sure it does. But if you catch but, the if you catch the cutscenes in between, you know, or even like the narrative during, different story. But I think you know to to sort of go back to Nikki and Paolo, like you said about Lost, like didn't the writers know where they were going? And fundamentally, they they had an overall plan, but there was room within that plan for certain characters to come and go. And I think that's kind of what you're looking at as far as sort of these decisions that are made where I don't, you know, I, again, I, this is a lot, mostly conjecture, but I can't imagine like overall, you're not going to change the plot that fundamentally. If anything, it's more on par with, uh, with the walking dead where we saw them release that over the series of five, five episodes. And there were certain decisions that you could make that changed the makeup of your group as, as it went along. But ultimately the story that they told it worked out independent of those decisions. You talking about the video game, or are you talking about no the video game, the, the video game? Oh, I was going to say because I didn't know that's the way the show was. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, the show's very. The show's um, the show. The show's the show. Um, no, but but the, the game itself, you know, it had certain points where the narrative could diverge, but it still managed to you know sort of have everything resolve itself in the end, such that everybody winds up at the same point. And so I kind of wonder if that's maybe sort of the, the, the blueprint for what we're seeing here, where they're going to tell a story like, oh, hey, you can you know make this decision to let this character die or live. But fundamentally, that ultimately doesn't change the narrative. They've got it figured out either way that, you know, that, that whatever that character would wind up doing, someone else will take care of it if that character dies or, you know, or, or you know, ultimately it's not that, that crucial of a character that this, the, the rest of the story can play out. But the problem is it's either going to be like some type of, Technically speaking, a poll where, like, let's say you're in the game and you get to make a decision, uh, and you make the decision, and technically speaking, that's a poll that, you know, it may or may not happen. It depends on what the popular vote is. Or it's going to be more of a, a, like a, like a severely personalized decision, which at that point, it's just a game. You know, you don't need to have it weekly. Like, you can have, like, you know, they can make options come up while people are talking and stuff like that. I mean, they do it in Mass Effect, they did it in, like, you know, one other game, like they 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 do in other games, like you know, there's sections where you can people are talking, you can make a decision or not make a decision, and based off of what you do, different things will happen. You know, so like, what's really the difference? It's on TV, but that's the thing, and it's back all the way around to our original point that people don't like. That's not a huge like pull. Like, who like nobody really cares that you can interact with TV now. I, I, if I want to, well, I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Only go back to Lost because the people on that message board, you know, they may not have realized that they were influencing, you know, influencing policy at the time. But I think they still care that they. There's kinda... a difference. There's a difference because there's there's a difference because it's not that they wanted to interact with TV. They just didn't want their they, the characters were so annoying to them. They didn't want that the show to be ruined. There's a difference. There's a difference between somebody actually wanting to be involved with the show and say, hey, do this, do that. And then people are like, yo, this person fucks up my day every time I see him. I want them <laughs> off the show. There's a difference between the two. Yeah. Nick, they can't see you nodding. Come on, say something. <laughs> Still no, nothing? Okay. No, I agree. <laughs> you sure? 
Well, actually, no, I was, I was thinking because one of the things we've been talking about internally is bringing back the question of the week. Uh-huh. And we should bring that back is which person on the MASH cast is annoying that you want to see kicked off? <laughs> Vote. <laughs> and we just sit here like on Skype cameras. Spoiler, it's going to be Mikey who's not on the show next week because he's like never on the show anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, Mikey, Mikey's a busy guy or dead. One of the two. <laughs> so busy or dead. That is terrible, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that is. But, you know. You gotta laugh about some things, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so, but yeah, the, I don't know, I, I I think they're putting too much emphasis on TV. I mean, the only reason I even give it a slight chance is because it's Remedy. You know, and Remedy really hasn't let me down, to be honest. Like, you know, even though there's not going to be an Alan Wake 2 um, for a very long time, if there ever is an Alan Wake 2. Yeah, well, they really told the story they needed to tell with that. I can't imagine it continuing. Like, well, it's it's fine as is. Well, the thing is, like, Alan Wake, I mean, like, Alan Wake was made for a complete part two, mm-hmm. but the, the American Nightmare was not the sequel they were looking for. No. It was not. Like, they, they said, they even said, actually, in that video they released a couple months ago that they were trying to work on Alan Wake 2, but they just didn't have the money to finish it, so that's how you got American Nightmare. You know? I didn't beat American Nightmare, but I do know that you end up with your wife at the end of it. So, I do know that much. Hmm. Uh, thanks to somebody showing spoilers. But, um, so, you just, you just spoiled it for everybody else? Yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry. Like, I die, you die. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know what else what happens in between, like, like with the rest of American Nightmare. But, yeah, I don't wait that, that game, that, that part, the American Nightmare was not supposed to be part two. There was supposed to be a full-blown part two to Alan Wake. You know? Especially with the way Alan Wake, like the first Alan Wake ended. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to say the words he said because that would be, that'll be a, a travesty. You know? <laughs> a travesty. So, um, but yeah. That, that's, they, they, like, Remedy had, really hasn't let me down besides Alan Wake too. But, so that's the only reason this Quantum Break, I even really give it a chance. You know? I should just give it a chance just because, you know? I shouldn't be a negative Nelly all the time. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard not to be with all these people talking about putting TV in our game systems, like worrying about television shows and whatnot, instead of just worrying about the damn games. That is true. That 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 is wor- worrying when the, you know, because all it takes is one game, one game to do well like that, and then everybody's doing it. Yeah, it's out of control, and it, we're not the market to be playing around with it for. Like, sure, gamers watch television, but. Game makers are not TV makers. Like, we're just sort of forcing people to do different jobs. Like, we're, I guess we're sick of, you know, shooting to be movies ever since friggin' Final Fantasy VII and all the cutscene phase where every video game was aspiring to be a new movie. It's like, now, screw that. doesn't work. Television. Television is another story. We haven't tried to be television yet. Let's try to be television now. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, one of the things, though, you look at a game like, like Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, if you tried to break down all this, all the the content that happens in one Mass Effect game and distill that into like a two hour movie, you're cutting a ton of shit. Yeah. But if you were to dole that out over, say, you know, a 14 episode or, or you know, a 20 episode season, you could probably fit. I, I would say you could probably fit the, the Mass Effect trilogy into six seasons of TV and actually kind of break out and figure out like, OK, what are each of the episodes going to be and stuff? And 
I think maybe there might actually be some sort of revenue model there where you're taking, you know, the, the content that you have in a video game and, and, and kind of, you know, distributing it properly. But I think if anything, I think the, the, the best example to really look at is the, the walking dead, as I cited before, I think that, that, I think that path if you follow that and sort of somehow wrap that back around to connecting to TV, which it kind of already does since it's based off a TV show. But I think that path, the, the, the episodic, you know, content model that might actually lead somewhere. I'm not sure if the quantum break model of kind of tying the TV show and the video game together work, um, but we'll see. That's why they're trying it. We'll see. Yeah, uh, that's what we're trying. Like, and as you were saying that, I'm thinking, like, when do you think the first episodic video game, I'm talking about, like, weekly episodes, is going to happen? Like, let's let's say, like, uh, you know, some developer tries every week you get 30 minutes of the game and leaves you to cliffhanger weekly. Would you play something like that? Yeah, I'd try it. I mean, I'm always curious for something new and weird. I mean, you've seen the stuff I play on the site. Yeah. Anything strange, I'll try. I what if I want to like I what if I could coax Telltale into doing that? Like yo, instead of making these two hour, you know, parts, like you know, make like thirty minutes, like thirty minute episodes, you know. But, but it's hard with games. I find a lot of games really don't find their feet until about an hour, two hours in. Like the the they they waste so much time on introduction and showing you how to play and everything like that. Well, These that's days. the thing. Like you, like they, for something like that, you'd probably have to have a tutorial level just available, yeah. you know, on the side. Like this is the tutorial. This is how you play the game. Like you may not necessarily be able to do the smooth thing and show people how to play per episode, except for something like The Walking Dead. You know, like something like The Walking Dead. Um, you can, you know, per, you know, it's just a, 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 you know, press the button, you know, select the answer, and you're okay. Well, let's say something a bit more physical or, or um, you know, reaction demanding. Let's say, like, you know, a shooter, um, some type of shooter or, um, you know, something. Like, and the thing is, like, most shooters aren't very narrative-driven, so that might be a bad example. But let's say Max Payne. Would I have played Max Payne if they if they could break, if they break it up into, like, 30-minute 30 segments or an hour segment, you know? And you'd be paying for each segment as you go? I mean, yeah, or you you could buy a season pass, or you pay for each segment as you go, like a la carte, like maybe, like, because, like, you know, you could pay per episode on, like, Amazon right now for a series. So, like, you know, if you want The Walking Dead, the entire season of Walking Dead, let's say season three, it costs, like, 35 bucks to watch that on Amazon. You know, so I wonder. I wonder if that, something like that would work. Or would you just, you just get pissed because the game gets good, and then it gets cut off. You know, post-game depression on a weekly basis. I'd be more concerned that a game hadn't gotten to the point where it got good each episode, and then I would just eventually get sick of it and quit. Mm. Because it's hard to get a really good hook into a game every hour. I mean, most of them peter out before the end these days. Here I go again with these days part. (laughs) I just find a lot of games can't consistently give you these hooks that keep you in there. Like, Saints Row 4 is probably the first game in months that has, like, just dragged me in and kept me there, if only because I like to mess around with people, apparently. Well, a lot, I think a lot of TV shows are like that. A lot of TV shows, like, the first couple episodes, um, even, like, hour-long ones, like, 
they're all right. You know, they don't necessarily hook you in. Like that's why I always give a TV show like a few, you know, a few episodes, like three, four, maybe five episodes, and you know, before I completely drop it. You know, um, I'm trying to think of what show I completely dropped before. Oh, remember that show where everybody passed out at the same time in the world? And then, uh, like, flash forward. Flash forward. I gave that show a good four episodes. I and... gave it the whole season. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. Uh, did it only have one season? Yes, it did. Yeah. So I gave that show a good four episodes. I was like, nope, can't do it. But another show I gave, you know, like at, at first that, that wasn't, that really didn't hook me in um, was Point of Interest. Point of Interest did not hook me in at first. Uh, it actually took like it. It didn't hook me in, but the sh- episodes were good enough to keep me going until the middle of the season. When the middle of the season hit, like there's an episode that happens over the Christmas break. What happens right before the Christmas break? That episode, bam! That's what hooked me in the first season. And after that, I made sure I watched Purchase of Interest every single week, and it's one of my favorite shows on television now. You know, so like shows don't always, you know don't always hook you in in the beginning. But you have to give it time. And I think you, you have to go into that mentality with, with the games, with episodic content like that. But then again, it's not for everybody because I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, Joel, like, what is your TV watching habit? Like, how do you watch shows? Like, if the first episode is just okay, you won't watch it anymore? Or what's the deal? Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of TV because, I mean, I work for you guys. I run my own child after-school program. And I write, like, fantasy fiction, so I don't have a lot of spare time. So if you – I'll give it, like, one episode. If you don't get me, I'm done. I walk away. And maybe if someone else pushes me to give it a chance or happens, like, a couple people do, uh, I'll try again. But, like, usually you get one shot with me and that's it. So could, could That is tough. Mm-hmm. I, I know. Have- it's unfair, which is why I do not watch a lot of stuff. Even stuff I like. Like, I watched one episode of Breaking Bad and thought it was great. I still don't watch it. I just don't have time. So you have to be person. incredible to keep my attention, usually. Hmm. Well, the show is incredible, by the way, just to let you know. Actually, <laughs> well, this is what I remember what I said a minute ago about multiple people telling me. Yeah. Well, that's like, actually, the. It, I tell people all the time, it has the greatest special effects I've ever seen on any television show. Yeah, you were telling. I think you were telling us about some guy getting run over. Yeah, like, I could have swore this guy got ran over. I was like, yo, he got paid so much money to get ran over by a car. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he didn't really get ran over by a car, but still. Um, which, yeah, I think it could work, but, like, you know, it's it's a different mindset. And I don't think... I, I'll put it like this. I think it could, it could work in terms of it being a quality product. But in terms mm-hmm. of people accepting it, because now you have that video game mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you know, it... It didn't hook me on the first, like with the first episode, so I'm not gonna play it anymore. Um, mm. For people like that, they probably, for example, like with The Walking Dead, I personally didn't want to play it episode for episode, so I waited until all the episodes came out, and then I got it, which I still haven't yeah. played it. I, I get like it. that for TV shows too. I don't really like to be waiting, so I tend to wait for whole seasons when I do watch them, and then I'll just go through them like marathon. Yeah, actually, that's what I was doing with Doctor Who until the 11th Doctor. I don't see what people really like that guy for. 
Like, ever since the, I started watching the 11th Doctor, my Doctor Who consumption has decreased substantially. Matt Smith, he's, he's no David Tennant. Sorry, he, Nick. He, he leaves, though. You, he you does. Make it through him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's still a good show. Don't get me wrong. It's still it's still, still a good show, but I don't know. Like, it's just it's just not the same. So now like, I'm not watching it nearly as uh, much as I, as I was before, unfortunately. But whatever. We're not here to talk about Doctor Who because we'll be here all day. <laughs> but um, actually, we were we, we've been talking about fucking Microsoft and television shows all podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft wants to talk about TV, and apparently, so do we. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a good conversation. I don't think we've really discussed TV all that much, you know, here on the show and how, like, you know, it's a form. It's a for, definitely a form, it's a form of entertainment, of course. But I don't consider interactive media, and it's like that's what they want to push. They want to push it toward interactive media. But th- this this whole thing about this push toward television, it's not what gamers want. It's something that that like you know that would attract to more of a casual base. That's what it, that's what it'd be like. You know, I don't really I don't want developers to spend money on researching or trying to make a game about no, uh, they're already having enough t- difficulty making money off just making games these days already we, exactly. they don't need their attention split on other things exactly isn't that, the, isn't that the problem though because if this is what the if, they, if they're trying to attract the casual fan that's where the money is and if they're not getting enough money from the hardcore base then that's where they're going to throw their efforts is to where they can you know jack up their revenue by getting more people involved i would have much rather them focus their cash on um you know making alan wake too <laughs> Yeah, put your money into making the games you're making better. If you will need help, find out better ways to make a budget so you're not blowing through all your money as quickly. There you go. Work on that. We'll do that. Then you can play around with the TV show. Yeah. So, so, so you would buy an Xbox One if Alan Wake 2 is packaged with it at launch? No. <laughs> oh, no, Nick. That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question, but then I, I know there's at least a good game that comes with it, for sure. So I, I have never played a bad Remedy game. So we just need them to reverse their policy on No Alan Wake 2. Yeah, reverse their policy on No Alan Wake 2. That'll probably hook me in. You know, they'll, they'll get me. They'll snag me. I have a price. <laughs> As we discussed like, oh, a couple podcasts ago, I have a price. Can I bring D4 over and play at your place? And then we can never talk about how I played an Xbox One? <laughs> yeah, sure. We Perfect. Can, you know, actually, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a business we can open up. You know, you want to play, play Xbox One, but you don't want anybody to know. <laughs> what, what's happened to my, my online cred? They can't know. No one must know. No one must know. We, we'll keep you secret. You know, It's just a massage parlor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, FBI raids that they just found a bunch of Xbox Ones. Yeah. What's going on in here? Like, Joel's naked, but <laughs> there's no massage parlor. I'm confused. <laughs> I just love video games. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have to be naked with the resolution on the Connect now. Well, yeah. oh, you don't have to have it. Well, I don't have to have it. Yeah, I don't have to have it connected. So it's all yeah. good. It's all so good. Digitized Wing Wong on my television set. Streaming all over the internet, so I have to use my webcam for that now. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, this is why we don't upgrade Skype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, if I upgrade Skype, it'll burn your eyeballs out. Shit. Well, it's something that's actually uh, a good news for Microsoft. 
is uh, the fact that they they got a hold of somebody very important from Steam, uh, Jonathan. Oh, sorry, not Jonathan. Jason Holtman, uh, who for eight years was the head of Steam. Was the head of a uh, a Steam. Actually, what was his exact position? What exactly did he do? Uh, he basically he was in charge of the customer experience for Steam. Okay, when developers wanted to get their game on Steam, they talked to him. He was their direct line to get it done. That's what this guy did. This is the guy that's mostly responsible for turning Steam into what it is. Okay, so from 2005 to 2013, this guy was the guy who made Steam what it was. And if you remember correctly, Steam sucked before 2005. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Steam... Guy was getting a very, I'm not even going to call it a lukewarm reception uh, when it first came out. And then, you know, people, it kinda, people were pissed that they had to uh, use Steam with Half-Life 2, which you quickly got over once you played Half-Life 2. Uh, but, like, this is the guy who turned Steam into what it is today, and now he works for Microsoft. And he's, and I thought, when I first read the article, I thought he was actually going to go toward, like, the Xbox division. I'm like, that's actually, that would be great news, because he could turn the Xbox experience into something more consumer-friendly for digital distribution. Yeah, no. he's exactly who they would need. He is exactly who they would need, <laughs> yeah. Um, but because it's Microsoft, you know, continue. Well, he, yeah, he's actually, he's going to be working in the PC division. Which, I'm like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, and that actually could cause trouble for Steam. If they could build a viable Steam competitor that's built in the Windows, mm-hmm. you know, that's that, that could spell trouble. Given also the... After the Xbox One... It would have been better for the Xbox One, you're right. But you know what? Maybe the guy the guy is so used to dealing with the PC community, maybe it's just better that he deals with the PC community. Mm. You know? Just because you can, uh, you know, just because you can, you know, uh, you know, appease the PC fans doesn't mean you could deal with the console masses, which there are more masses playing console, to be honest. And a younger crowd, crowd so who knows? Who knows? But you were going to say something, Nick? No, I was just going to say, given that the the vast restructuring at Microsoft is it just because he's in the PC division, I don't think that necessarily means he won't have anything to do with the Xbox. And it could be maybe they just put him there because they need somewhere to ostensibly put him. But he could very easily sort of be in charge of their overall, you know, digital download philosophy on both systems going forward. And I mean, that might make just as much sense as anything. Well, you know, they actually want the. Uh they want the experiences to be like pretty much across the board for, uh, well, that's a look at windows eight. Um, they want the experience to be across the board. Um, the same. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made some changes to PC that it, it came across to the Xbox if it worked well. Makes you sense. Know? Yeah. Like I, 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 so you're right. He may, it may actually cross over. Um, because of the way Microsoft is doing things right now, that may be a good thing for Xbox, or it may not be. Just because things work well on the PC does not mean it's going to work well on a console. And I think we've seen that on more than one occasion, uh, like the Xbox One launch. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, sorry, the Xbox One uh, announcement. Uh, but then again, that's going all the way back to the beginning of this podcast where we explained why that was a bust. 
Uh, but yeah, so I was surprised that he was actually going to the PC division, but it makes a lot of sense. I can see why they're doing it. I think it's a good call. Joel think they could have made a better call, though. <laughs> I'm just saying if they're they're dropping the ball that much on the Xbox One, making their digital distribution platform there, they're not it's they're not showing a lot of good decision making ability already. So I'm wondering if they're going to use him intelligently in their PC division, or if they're kind of wasting his his abilities. So I don't know. I'm skeptical as usual, but it is the smartest decision they've made in months. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I was, but you know, I was. Uh, typically, they, they, you don't see any news regarding Microsoft's PC initiative. You know, like games for Windows stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have, you know, such a big name going to their PC division. Um, that, that's that's huge. That's usually, huge for Microsoft. Usually, if you do see news regarding the PC division, it's always like Microsoft is cutting services or discontinuing this this feature or something along those lines. It's never, it's never positive to indicate that they're actually trying to, you know, further that base. Right. Right. Well, first thing you need to do is like, you know, when you make games for Windows less annoying to use. That's the thing. Like, for example, when I open a game, that's not the time to do an update. You know, like when I inst- when I went to go, I got recent not recently, but a couple months back, I reinstalled um, Bulletstorm, and I opened up Bulletstorm, signed into Games for Windows Live, and then it really decided to do an update. Versus w- when I actually downloaded Bulletstorm uh, for the first time, so that's not yeah. That, 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 they is- can start there, start there, work out from there. But isn't that kind of like? Steam though, like Steam, Steam's not going to be able to give you an update to a game unless you have Steam open. So wouldn't you have to get the update through Games for Windows Live, provided you had that open, which I'm guessing you didn't. Uh, well, that's the thing because there's no way to open Games for Windows Live or well, yeah, Game for uh, Games for Live unless you have the game open itself. It's part of yeah. the flaw. So, so that really, the problem is they just need a they need a launcher. They don't need a launcher. They have Windows. <laughs> yeah, but they, they need a clear. They, but the thing about a launcher is, at least it gives you a clear space to be. They like, have okay, Windows, like, and since Windows XP, you have been able to link your Windows Live account to your Windows to your actual Windows like account. No, but they need. A, they, they, I think they need a clear downloading process that at least starts up that you can kill if for some reason you don't want you know your your download to run right now. But yeah, but generally that you want you do want it to de- run in the background when you're doing something else. Absolutely, absolutely. But still, yeah, you're right. They do need that, but it shouldn't be that difficult. Like I said, they have Windows. Well, that's, that sounds to me though like they've kind of left it at the developer. I mean, because Steam's been able to build that middleware. I mean, Origin sort of has that middleware. Blizzard's building that middleware, and so it's not it's not that it can't be done. I just well, think they've the sort of passed of- the buck on it. No, what's the purpose of using your platform if you can't come, like, if there's no advantage to it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's no advantage. Like, for example, there's so many advantages to using Steam as a platform besides the people who are there. There's the updating. There's the multiplayer backbone. Games for Windows Live. Who's going to use that if they don't have to? They, You know, like, the reason um, Gears of War... And Bulletstorm had to use this because they were both games that were, you know, published by Microsoft Studios. 
You know, that's why nobody liked games for Windows Live. You know, <laughs> to see games for Windows Live, this is why nobody likes you. You know, so but yeah, like you, it needs to be more consumer friendly, and that's what this guy does. He is a he's very good at business to consumer relations, and I think Microsoft is going to do well with him there in that in that gaming division. Let's see. See now, we're like we, we talk so long about the goddamn TV, we're rushing through the last topics. <laughs> uh, I feel like such a fraud, you know. Yeah, TV's anyway. good. <laughs> oh yeah, TV, yeah, TV area. Yeah, the TV secret area. message to Microsoft is we love TV. Bring more TV. Yeah, <laughs> want to talk about it all the time. <laughs> what have we done? Uh, let's, let's talk about GameStop briefly. Um, remember those? Well, we talked about it on the Mashcast, you know, quite a bit while it was first happening. But when, uh, you know, when the developer and developers, the publisher started adding the uh, the passes, the online passes to their games, like what was going to happen when you traded stuff in? Was GameStop still going to offer trade-ins at the same rate with no online pass as they would if the game did have an online pass? The answer apparently was we were right. They were just going to charge the same amount of money and not say anything about it. Oh, yeah, people. I was there when they tried it. They didn't change a thing. I don't even know if they knew. Oh, they knew. Because <laughs> we got, yeah, but just they didn't care. That was obvious because we we on the front line never got a message about it. Just continue as normal. I was warning people. It's like uh, I know this is five dollars off, but you have to spend another ten dollars to get the online pass, so you're not actually saving anything on this. Which you know doesn't you know endear you to the managers and district managers. But. Well, obviously not. Oh, yeah. Because that that's that seems that seems anti corporate. That's, that's that's like anti company. Yeah, but it goes a long way towards getting me not yelled at by every single person who buys a used game. So I was a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's like, like so. Uh, for those who aren't in the know, uh, in New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there was a lawsuit that uh, GameStop tried to get uh, dismissed. And the lawsuit is as a group of gamers, a class action lawsuit actually, uh, for uh, fraud uh, by selling used games, consumer fraud by selling used games that did not include single use downloadable content, and that's like you know that's a season pass or like in the case of let's say Batman, um, like let's say Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, the Catwoman DLC stuff like that. But mainly it's about season passes. And they're saying that, you know, they were never warned about it. Like, they basically, they were spending more money on the game than they were originally told because they were not told about needing to purchase the season pass to get the full season pass. God, I keep going season pass. The uh, online pass to get the full game. So if you bought a game at 50 bucks, or sorry, $55 to save a couple bucks, you're actually paying $65 because you need to pay $10 to get the online pass. They needed a Joel to save them. They needed, yeah. they needed a Joel. They needed a hero. Well, I was too busy flying around the city in Daisy Dukes to help them, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, You've lost sight of your true, your true supporters. It's clearly I'm drunk with power, and I'm not helping the common man anymore. Are, are you a hero or a villain? <laughs> I think that is the question I ask myself every morning when I look in the mirror. <laughs> Am I the hero they need? Am I the hero they deserve? Nope. <laughs> neither yeah but so but no, yeah. it doesn't surprise me that they finally came back and bit them in the behind over it 
was a really nothing did come down the pipe when those when those online passes first came through. They just didn't say anything, and just sort of let us go to it, like not even so much as like a sticker or something to put on. It was like, hey, by the way, we're screwing you more than a little bit. Isn't isn't that though like caveat emptor? You know, buyer. You know, buyer beware. Like it was. I mean, I, I know, I know, especially the way GameStop works. Like, yeah, you have, you have, you have your hardcore gamers that are shopping there, and they know what's up, and they're, they know exactly what they're doing when they buy these games, as far as whether they've just, they've already decided, yeah, I'm going to get the DLC or I'm not going to get the DLC, and, and I know what I'm doing. But then you also do, you get like, you know, the mothers and the aunts and, and the, the, you know, the tangential relatives who walk in, knowing, you know, little Jimmy's got his 13th birthday, you know, what game is good for him, and that they have no idea what they're doing. And Grand Theft Auto, lady. Yeah, Dead or Alive Beach Mammogram, lady. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Your kid's gonna love it. It's educational. Your husband's gonna love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's and 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 I mean, it's it's one of those things. I don't know. I mean. I I agree. What GameStop was doing was was underhanded and, and and a little. I, you know, I don't even know if it was underhanded. I think underhanded may be a little harsh. I, like, I know that they weren't openly saying, like, by buying this at a $5 discount now, you're going to be paying more later. But I don't know if it was their responsibility to inform the, 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 uh, the consumer. It was absolutely their responsibility to inform the consumer. As, I mean, you're as, buying, well, you know, because things change. You went from, like, you know, when you buy used games, you're buying it with the assumption that you're getting what it came with but just used uh, no the, you don't think so i don't know i don't know i i, I think i disagree with that there, i think there is a i mean if 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 a, if a used game and I, I think that's kind of maybe that's kind of the, the the problem with all of this is that fundamentally up until up until these online passes were instituted a used game had no difference functional wise from a new game other than the disc itself may be a little more worn and now we actually had a difference in functionality i mean if i buy you know if i buy a used car i'm not expecting to get everything that i got with a new car i mean i know i mean i you know i mean is, will it drive yes will it accept gas and get me to places yes but what, what's going to be missing uh, you know, it's, it's not going to last as long, or I'm going to have to take better care of it, or something. But, that, but actually, that brings up an excellent point of why I think the term "used game" is actually pretty stupid. Because when you buy like a used car, yes, you're right; you, it will not last as long as if you bought it new. You're still getting everything that came with the car because the dealer will replace things. Like, let's say somebody knocks, you know, the uh, one of the rear view mirrors off, or one of the side mirrors, I should say. They're going to replace that. If there's a scratch, they're going to fix it. If there's a dent, they're going to fix it before they put it back out there. Used cars, with the exception of the mileage, as good as they can get it to new, they will get it there. But with a used game, it's software. So like, if you buy a used game, it's going to play exactly the same as buying a new game. Uh, and so that's why the term, like, why, like, the only reason used games cost less in the first place is because of perception, not because of the actual goods. Well, it's it's the same thing with a car. Like you drive the car off the lot, and it loses what, like ten percent of its value, yeah. just because you drove it off the lot. And it's that's almost a the same perception thing. thing but that's yeah, a but per- take, yeah. But you take the you know you take a game out of the shrink wrap, and it loses. You know, all of a sudden, it's only worth what nine dollars at trade in, and they can sell it for five dollars less. Right, but I mean, so well, no, like, the, the whole like you know the, losing 
how much money just by driving off the lot. That's truly a perception thing. But yeah. you you know you drive a car around for you know a couple months, a couple years. Like actually by driving that car, it is losing its value. Yeah. Because the more you drive it mile per mile, the the it's not going to last as long. But that's just not the case with software. So yeah. like in my opinion, software should be able to be sold for you know sixty dollars or however the price is, whether it's open or not. Unless, unless it's actually missing something. Yes. You know, that's, 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 that's the case. And that, that is the case here. And it is the responsibility of, and it should be the responsibility of the retailer to say what the problem is. Like, if you go to Best Buy or buy an open box item, it lists what's wrong or what's missing out of that item. Doesn't come with power cable. Doesn't have this. Doesn't have that. And the price reflects it. Like if you go to Best Buy and a couple of key components are missing out of a relatively ex- like expensive like device, and you buy an open box, you can actually get a really good discount on it, you know. But like you know that that's not the case with games. They weren't telling the people that this is like you know what you're missing, which no, is a very a important of, piece. Sorry. And a lot of their uh, the push with the used games when I was working for them was that as good as new, you know, you tell this is what you tell the customer used is as good as new, just over and over again that's what this is what they would push on us except this is a point where it's clearly not not even close to as good as new right yeah this this is like anywhere you go if the, it is the responsibility of the retailer to if you're missing pieces for them to tell you what's actually missing because then that it is consumer fraud it is yeah. exactly what they're being sued for and that's why the great state of new jersey is dismissing is not dismissing or is dismissing the claim to dismiss the lawsuit because yeah, they they do point out that like the receipt like highlighted how much value they got by buying used, but at no point does it seem anywhere was there any attempt made to at least inform them like oh by the way it is missing the online pass, right? And that I, I think it, it on some level somewhere it should have mentioned that even if it's in small print on the back of the box, like yeah it should have mentioned that at least somewhere so so you know anybody that went in not knowing what they were getting at least could have figured that out. Yeah. So it's their own fault, but you know, that's I'm glad it's actually going through. And if this actually, if this makes it the trial, well, not trial, but you know, the the class action lawsuit goes through, and we and we like I'm a part of it, <laughs> you know, it's actually we the people win, you know, that actually sets a precedent in other areas. So, yeah, but you know, you know that the the, the thing is going to be like, did you buy a used game from GameStop in like 2012? Well, then here's five dollars to spend at GameStop. <laughs> So. Hey, yeah, that, well, yeah, the lawyers really went on class action lawsuits, but yes. it does hurt. Ga- it hurts GameStop, so and that's all we really want. We just want to hurt GameStop, you know. <laughs> that's all. That's all we ever really wanted. So, but um, one another thing from GameStop, which is this is just a rumor at this point. Uh, but there, GameStop, when it comes to Xenoblade, GameStop hmm. may be uh, playing a little dirty. Uh, and uh, it's it suspected. That GameStop is purposely shorting um, the stock of Xenoblade, and then actually, you know, opening up new copies of Xenoblade and selling them for used at ninety dollars a pop. Reactions, anybody? <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, ninety dollars a pop for a used Xenoblade is actually new. So instead of buying a new copy of Xenoblade for well, fifty bucks, it's going to cost on the Wii, or is the Wii U at this point? 
Okay, so it's the Wii, right? Xenoblade for the Wii. Yeah, it's the yeah, Wii. Wii. Yeah, so Xenoblade for the Wii, instead of paying fifty dollars for that, you're paying ninety dollars for a U for a copy they're saying is used, but um it's actually new. To me this is amazing because it it seemed over the years that head office was never aware of anything gaining or losing any value and have no concept of what games were actually valuable or not. So to me, it's almost amazing for them to notice, like, hey, wait a minute, guys, we got, like, something in stock that people want that's, like, old. What should we do? And and they put it out for a price that's around market price. They seem to be aware that there's almost, like, a classic game market. Like, some older games are worth money. Who knew? Maybe it's something we should do in the future before digital, you know, Makes our asshole four feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, like this is the first time I've seen a used game go for, uh, you know, a lot of money on the on the used market. Like you know, Marvel vs. Capcom two for Dreamcast went for more than ninety dollars. Yeah. Back then, uh, and that's when the Dreamcast was out of circulation. Yeah. You know, it it went for that much. So I'm not surprised by the price. What I'm surprised by is if GameStop is actually, you know, because they said suddenly, like, you know, like there was no stock of Xenoblade. Uh, and then suddenly there was a, a whole bunch of used games available that seem almost new, like too good to be true. Yeah. And especially if you're a Xenoblade fan and you know how difficult it was to get Xenoblade, are you really going to go back and trade that in? Yeah. You know, are you really going to go back and trade that in? Especially with like the club Nintendo card in it, <laughs> it seems out of place. That's that's the conspiracy here. That the, GameStop is, is 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 bumping up the price. But the thing is, though, I mean, if you go into a GameStop and all of a sudden, and, and presumably you've, you've been looking for this for a while, all of a sudden they have one copy. You know, you might think like, "Hey, holy cow, it's my lucky day!" Like, you know, you don't know how they acquired that. Maybe they bought it off eBay. Maybe you know, maybe you know, somebody's sister was cleaning out the basement and found the game and just traded a whole bunch of stuff in bulk. Like, you you know, you're not gonna question how did this happen to be here. You're just gonna be like, "Hey, I've been kind of looking for this for a while. You know, I'm gonna you know, I'll, I'll pay through the nose, but I'll I'll take this because I want this." And you're not probably not gonna go back the next day and notice there's another copy right back on the shelf where the one that you took was. So, I mean, in a way, it's, it's it's smart that they're doing that. It's smart, but it's still yeah. a, it's a, a, shift, yeah, a devious, shifty business practice. Yeah. There's really no thumbs up here, Nick. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> Just thumbs up their four-foot-wide butthole, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> according to Joel. <laughs> I'm, I'm just suggesting this should probably get on other avenues of revenue. Before their assholes four feet wide. Yeah. Approximately. We're not digging digging out measuring tape here or anything. Oh. Okay. Let me put this back then. Um but yeah, like that like it's not confirmed, but it's just a rumor at this point. Or yeah, speculation, just, but it seems more like something they would have stumbled across completely by accident that they had this back stock and would have done because this would take a remarkable amount of foresight from a company I haven't seen show a whole lot of it in like a classic game sense or like this game will become valuable. Like I just don't see a lot of that from that company. So this almost seems like a lucky mistake for them. So you like, think people oh, give them too oh, much credit, this, but we have it and now it's valuable. Oh, you, you think people are giving them too much credit? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That is true. Actually funny story. I guess it's kind of a personal story. Uh, 
it made you, what you said made me think of that. Um, my I have a relative, okay, uh, that is very irresponsible, very irresponsible relative, and um, one of my other relatives says, you know, uh, some of my family was talking, and one of my relatives says, yeah, I think he's gonna get somebody pregnant, okay. One of my other relatives says, there's no way he's going to get somebody's pregnant. He can't have kids. <laughs> and so they're like, how do you know he can't have kids? He says, because if, if there's a possibility, a remote chance that he could have had a child, he would have had one already. Because he's that irresponsible. So they were basically saying that they, they, she was giving him too much credit. <laughs> oh, man. It was funny. Nick doesn't seem impressed. <laughs> Nick I'm doesn't seem impressed. No, I'm he, laughing. No, that's good. No, I know when Nick thinks something's funny. <laughs> yeah. He has that, that jolly Nick laugh. <laughs> that's usually the response to something that I actually say. Uh, no, but um, any, to my, any of my family listen to this, you probably it's probably not about our side of that, that side of the family. <laughs> 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 to be honest with you, because I know which 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 parts of my family actually listen to to this podcast. So, yeah, mm. I have to bleep that one out. <laughs> See, that's the Nick laugh. That's when Nick thinks something's funny. Uh. That would make for a great mystery, though. You just bleep out an entire story. It's like, that reminds me of a story. And then five <laughs> minutes is like, bleep. Story. Like, man, what did he say? Like, I, I think we could drum up some real interest in uh, the MASH cast, purely based on the five-minute story that wasn't. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got to start bleeping with, like, let me tell you a personal story, and then end with, that's the Nick laugh. So it sounds like the Nick <laughs> laugh ties into the personal story somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, let's wrap this up. Um, actually, we still managed to cover those four stories, even though we way blew the story time on the first one. We we blew through those last four topics like immediately. Like, here's a story. This is what happened. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it was stupid. Let's move. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. GameStop, they're terrible. They're they're packaging a connect. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, what's coming out? Well, we talk, I already said what's coming out. Both uh, Blacklist, the Bureau, Thanks Row 4, out next week. And after that, Dive. Oh, Dive Kick next week, too. Yes. So Dive Kick comes out. Then the week after that, once again, how are these games being made? Lost Planet 3. What? Lost Planet 3 comes out on the 27th. Nobody anybody liked, bought Last Planet 2. Nobody liked Lost Planet 1. We knew that was coming. We saw that at PAX. Yeah, we did. Yeah, but who's they, buying these games? Yeah. Where are they getting... They have the money to make a Lost Planet 3, but not an Alan Wake 2? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I don't care if Microsoft's not involved in Lost Planet 3. Whoever was making Lost Planet 3 should have given the money to Remedy to make uh, Alan Wake 2 instead of Lost Pain 3. It's all those people. Oh, oh, lost pain. Lost Planet Three. It's all those people who went to GameStop, not knowing what games they were buying for little Jimmy. They bought Lost Planet, Lost Planet, rather than Alan Wake. I guess they Lost Planet have. sounds more interesting. That explains it. Uh, that is, little Jimmy stuff. loves Lost Planets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he loves planets, the, and they're the lost, the so people? he can find them. Sounds Capcom, great. It's like astronomy. Why. Capcom never learns its lesson. Capcom only makes terrible games now. <laughs> 
You're giving oh, him too much credit for knowing Capcom. Like, Dude. people seem to want a new Mega Man. Find some fan project and shit that out on the website. We're making <laughs> Lost Planet 3. Shit that out on the website. <laughs> and Dead Rising 3 is going to be the Call of Duty killer. Did He's you like, just... Sir, are you hammered? I was like, yes, quite. <laughs> Japanese accent. Oh, man. That, that that fan project that they shit out on the internet was pretty good. I agree, but <laughs> Capcom should have at least made a Mega Man game for Mega Man's 25th anniversary. This I think that's not Somebody too else much did it for them. Oh, my God. Yes. This, this is – Joel is distraught. Do you hear that in his voice? <laughs> I, I'm upset. I know. I feel like I'm talking to Mikey. <laughs> it just – it was a good game. I had a lot of fun with it, but Capcom could have at least made a Mega Man game for the anniversary. I mean, it was 8-bit. They probably could have made it in two months. It's not like Nintendo for Mario's anniversary just, you know, looks around for a fan project and like, you know what? It's good enough. Mario smokes <laughs> weed? Perfect way to celebrate 30 years of Mario Brothers. Mario smokes weed hack. Perfect. <laughs> By the way, have you ever looked into Mario Brothers hacks? They will give you nightmares for the rest of your life. I have never looked in the Mario Brothers hacks. Sorry about that. Next time nah. we hang out at PAX, I will show you some things. Some oh, things okay. you cannot unsee. <laughs> well, you know, he, he like so far in terms of showing me stuff at PAX, like in videos, he's one for one because that Beach Boys video is hilarious. <laughs> he showed no, me a video of of the Beach Boys singing a song, but somebody was making the sound effects that they were making, like, you know, like, if somebody slapped their, like, their hip, somebody was putting that sound into the actual video, and it was hilarious. Yeah, like, it, that was way funnier than it should have been. And I was. think not sleeping for three or four days helped, but... <laughs> yeah, Pax, Pax <laughs> beat the shit out of us. We're gonna need a link in the show notes for that. Yeah, I can, I, if you can, Joel, send that to me, because that, that it, it was funny. It's okay. just it just gets funnier as you watch it. He did a bunch of those too. There's a oh, there's a fantastic one with Creed and just it's just magical, <laughs> magical internet stuff. <sighs> okay, let's see what else we got. It looks like at the end of the month, Mac users will get the greatest gift they've ever had on that on that operating system. Bioshock Infinite's being released for Mac August 29th. Wow, so there you go. Hopefully you have a Mac that can play because if you don't, you should probably just you know go jump off a bridge. Hopefully, uh, if you if if you only hopefully you don't just only have a Mac, you have one of the other systems and have already played it. Yeah, that that will put you ahead of the game. Or you just haven't played it, and you have no excuse. Yeah, there are people that, like that. Which at that yeah. point, you actually need to find a time machine, go back in time, and then jump off a bridge. <laughs> so. Where am I in a time machine? Hey, you got to make it happen, man. Don't be a slacker. Now, not only did I not play Bioshock Infinite, I have to invent goddamn time travel. <laughs> yeah. Great. This is perfect. My whole weekend's rode off, at least. <laughs> at least the weekend. <laughs> you know. So you seriously didn't play Bioshock Infinite? No, man. I didn't have any time. I was reviewing other stuff for the site, and you played it. So it was like, so you, so I just read your buy it? you didn't even buy it on Steam sale? I bought it twice in retail and had to switch it for some other thing because I needed to review stuff and I had no money. So you didn't buy it. So you, right now you do not own a copy of Bioshock Infinite. No. You're fired. 
Well, all right. I guess I'm going to bed then. Yeah. Even I played Bioshock Infinite, and I don't play anything. Yeah, like if Nick plays it and you haven't, that's really bad. That's really, really bad. I um, so in the toilet tonight. I'm talking about playing <laughs> Xbox One. I haven't played Bioshock Infinite. Nobody's going to respect me. They'll throw things at me if they see me in the street. Yeah, yeah. People, people carrying bags filled with tomatoes. Just to get this like, Where all? Where's all this produce coming from? It was on sale. <laughs> yeah, they but it, it, they give it away. Yeah, they had like some great sales on Bioshock Infinite. Seriously, if I would have known that you didn't have it, I probably would have bought it for you. <laughs> you're, so, you're such a nice person. I know. I, I, it's just it's a game I know is going to be everywhere, and I'll find it someday for five dollars, and then I'll play it, and then I'll catch up with the rest of the world. It's not one of those games you want to wait for, Joel. But I've managed to not have it spoiled for me, which I shouldn't have said out loud because I know someone's going to come calling <laughs> in. <laughs> They're going to come rest, shouting something at you, just running right. towards you. You can't First avoid Canada, it. I have to ruin it for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, get on Bioshock Infinite if you haven't. Uh, that, that's not just Joel; that's everybody. Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap us up. That's going to wrap us up. Uh, we are... Uh, well, so let, me, let me start with this. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we always <laughs> appreciate it. Um, we are on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. We are on iTunes for Android and iOS devices. We are on uh, Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices, but you can stream there. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash site. We're on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash smash those buttons. And we are also on YouTube, uh, which is youtube.com slash smash those buttons. So, yeah, hit us up. Um, and we should, you guys want to do a question of the week? We kind of already asked the question. You want to go with the episodic question? Yeah, I think that's way better than how wide would GameStop's butthole be. Do, you, do we think it's four <laughs> feet or is it more? <laughs> that's the secondary question. People got to answer not- that question. Let's not ask that. I don't, because then we'll get gifts, and I don't want gifts. Or gifs. <laughs> or however the hell you pronounce them these days. Good old goatsy. If we were popular enough to get gifts like that, I would say go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, but, um, yeah, like, would you guys, um, you know, be down with, like, let's say, like, like micro episodic games, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes of gameplay? Uh, a week, you know, released on a weekly basis as opposed to like a, a few months. Let us know. Let us know what you think. And uh, we, hopefully we get some responses and we'll catch you guys next week. Cool. Have a great weekend, everybody. Joel, no I hope you're weak. Okay. Well, I was trying to think. So I'm trying to be nice. It's hard. It doesn't come out easily. I <laughs> hope you don't die in like a dark hole <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Specifically, uh, next weekend's in the air. Next weekend's in the air, okay. This weekend, I wish you no particular harm. <laughs> okay. All right, well, have a good one, guys. Take care. See ya. I'm kidding. Don't take care. <laughs> Bye.